0: There's the
1: Spitfire. Then there's the small version of the Spitfire, which is called the Welk Spitfire. Yes. And if the people flying it curse a lot, <laughs> then we call it the Blasphemous Welk <laughs> Spitfire, or BWS yes, for short. The
0: BWS. <laughs>
1: Hey, Maniacs! This is Midsummer Maniacs.
0: Uh, Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Maniacs. Each week we dig through an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love.
1: Love the loonies! Hope you guys had a great holiday. Absolutely. Still kind of in the holiday. We've got New Year's Day this week.
0: Yeah, this is uh, dropping on the 30th of December. So uh, before your big hol- uh, New Year's Eve plans, uh, thanks for listening.
1: Was this the last week of the last month of the last year of the decade?
0: Yeah, so I was talking to my son about this last night. Next week is next week, next month, next year, and next decade.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe it's going to be 2020. That's so weird.
0: But what a year we've had. Yeah. Um, I got to say, just a really quick aside that this year has been so spectacular for me in so many ways. I just am so pleased about the creative output and the success of this show is certainly part of that. Um, we're like inching very closely towards 10,000 downloads for That's this awesome. show which is a number that I would have thought would have taken us years. And we're barely not six months into this show. It's
1: because we have awesome listeners who we are as crazy as we are.
0: Such awesome <laughs> listeners who who stuck with us through December, through three regular episodes and four mini episodes that you all just gobbled up like crazy. And it was so fantastic. And again, so many nice, awesome comments from people. We really appreciate it.
1: It's especially, I I don't know, it, it, useful, <laughs> encouraging um, to have so many great listeners. When you know we're we're doing this in addition to full time jobs, you are about to publish your first comic. Yep, we have um, four kids who are all seniors in high school this year and are all in the midst of applying for college and getting accepted to college and all that stuff. I mean, we, we've had a lot
0: going on. And don't forget, I'm doing technical direction for a play in a month that I haven't done a real lot of work on. Yeah. <laughs> but the month of January is going to be insane. So.
1: But needless to say, there were a lot of reasons why we might have Stop taking the time to do this. But we had such a great reception almost immediately that like, how can we not do it? We've got people who are actually listening and that makes it so much more fun to do.
0: And, you know, I just want to say a special thank you to the official Midsummer people on Facebook and Instagram who have been super nice to us and the Acorn people have been super nice to us as well.
1: Yeah we're very grateful for all those folks and for you our listeners and
0: you know we have we have some uh, things that we have uh, planning in the near future that hopefully uh, we can get off the ground that uh, will create all sorts of new and interesting things for you guys to listen to but this week we have one of our favorite episodes which is We could easily
1: say that at the top of every episode. This is one of my favorite episodes of midsummer.
0: You know, actually cuz I was I already did the research for the next episode which is uh the um
1: St. Malley's Day St.
0: Malley's Day episode and you know that episode is is not one of my favorite episodes it's not I don't dislike it, but it's not one of my favorites. Those pudding club uppity ups. But I, I ran across like so many people who were like, this is my favorite episode. And I, I think that's one thing about Midsummer that we haven't yet talked about is that there are so many different stories that there can be, and so many episodes that you can have a room with 20 Midsummer fans and they all have different favorite episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no bad episode of Midsummer.
0: Well, except for the travelers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's no irredeemable episode of Midsummer.
0: No, de- definitely not. You know, uh, I think that there are times where I see what's coming next, and I'm like, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, th- oh, it has this stuff in it. Oh, this is really I forgot good about that thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so one bad thing I can say about this episode, which is season five, episode four, "Ring Out Your Dead," is that because Midsummer does have many different writers who write the episodes. I think this is one of the examples of the downside of that, in that this episode centers around a rhyme, um, the ding-dong-dell, the kitties in the well rhyme, which we had an episode around that rhyme just the season before. Yes. In fact,
0: the episodes I checked were broadcast almost exactly a year between them.
1: Yeah, and... And, and in both episodes, the rhyme takes a prominent part in the storyline. Yes. You think they could have come up with a... Di- is there, isn't there more than one rhyme about putting somebody in a well? I do believe there are <laughs> a number of rhymes. There must be. <laughs>
0: so, Before we throw into this, uh, a couple of things. First, a uh, warning. If you uh, let your kids watch the show, they should be okay to listen to the podcast. But if the show is too much for them, the podcast probably is. Even though this is a pretty tame episode. Yeah. It was filmed in June and July of two thousand and one and broadcast the fifteenth of September two thousand and two with nine point four three million views, directed by Sarah Hellings and written by Christopher Russell. And I did go back and make sure that those two episodes were not written by the same person who did the That would be Kitty really lazy, Welt. wouldn't it? That's that's some lazy writing yeah. right there.
1: So off the bat, this whole episode is centered around, focused on bell ringing. (laughs)
0: What what do you mean bell ring? There, there's cats in every scene. There There are are, cats all over the place. There are a lot of cats. I don't understand why there's so many cats, because cats are hard to work with.
1: Cats are a bit more of a familiar topic to most people, I think, than bell ringing is. Though. Maybe. So if we're going to introduce some people to some knowledge, maybe bell ringing is what we should focus on rather than cats.
0: I will point out the cats.
1: We'll talk about the cats. Spitfire is my favorite. <laughs> but let's talk about bell ringing. So what do we call it? Are they bell ringers? Are they change ringers? Are they strikers?
0: Uh, Weirdos? No. <laughs> no. Actually, we we have to be very careful because just this morning on Instagram we had a bell ringing club in Kingston on Thames follow us on Instagram which Hello are, bell ringers. Uh, hello bell ringers, we absolutely love you guys.
1: And we just recently rewatched a one of the new Father Brown episodes that Centers around bell ringers, and there's a really persnickety guy who's like, we're change ringers, we're not bell ringers. Oh, yeah,
0: that guy. That guy who dies, like, right away. There
1: seems to be kind of some tension between people who are change ringers, who ring big church bells, and people who ring hand bells. Like, you do not want to mix them
0: up. So we start in the cold opening, speaking of bells, is the the cold opening should really be called bell ringers revenge. Yeah. Because... We have heavy breathing in the church, banging on the door, and then the vicar gets the bell in the face.
1: Well, and that frantic run up the tower. Yeah. Whenever I see tiny stone stairs like that that are super claustrophobic and really vertical and steep, I always think about the time I was in Ireland and I went to kiss the Blarney Stone. Yeah. Wow, that's a trap. Yeah. If you've never done it, don't. (laughs) I was 18, (laughs) but you have to go up a stairway just like that, but it also has people coming down the same stairway. So if you can imagine trying to pass one another on a stairway like that and all tourists and, you know, all of us Americans are a bit chubby. So we're all trying to pass each other on the stairs, and then they swing you out a window to kiss a stone on the outside of a castle. I like the scene uh, in this cold opening with the shadows of the ropes for the bells because they look so much like nooses. They do
0: look like nooses. That was I re- clever. I really like the lanterns on the end of sticks. Mm-hmm. I, they they did a good job of going. This is old timey without it being periody.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's so dark that yeah. they need those things to kind of let you know that this is in the past.
0: And uh, they throw the vicar down the well, or at least a dummy that appears to be the vicar.
1: And and again, there's a great filming technique here where they must have lowered a cameraman into a well of some sort to film up from the bottom of the well. It's a great shot.
0: Yeah, the VIP of this episode already is the cameraman down the well. Who
1: went down the well (laughs) for a split second shot. Yeah. But it's, it's effective.
0: So we're brought into the present and Reggie. Barton is there. And Reggie is one of my favorite characters. The, he is such a great actor, first of all. he's He is just a fantastic actor. If you want to see how great he is, watch the original Father Brown, the first episode, Hammer of God. He may play the most unlikable human being ever. In is that he the episode. husband? He's the... Brother of the Priest.
1: Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Reggie's played by Graham Crowden, um, who was in a gazillion things, right? I mean, I could go on and on about all the things that he was in, but I I try to focus on something that I think is interesting when I'm doing my research. So in this episode, he plays a guy who was in the RAF during World War II. And Graham Crowden was almost as old as his character was supposed to be. Yes. So he was involved in World War II. Okay. um, But he was young so he was in the Royal Scouts Youth Battalion.
0: Oh, that's cool. Rejoined in 1940.
1: But he was discharged. Uh Uh-oh. Because he was accidentally shot by his own sergeant. (laughs) you imagine how mad his parents were it's like you you send your kids off to the boy scouts and the troop leader accidentally shoots your kid oh jeez yeah
0: is that why he had a limp maybe it might be i couldn't
1: find out where he was shot like in what part of his body he was shot. he
0: he always walks like his legs are locked
1: yeah even when he's younger he does that I didn't know if that was like an affectation of his of his acting or if he actually had that trouble.
0: He's just fantastic at eating scenery. He just eats everything Uh around him. Even when he's dead, he's awesome. Even when he's alone talking to the cat, he's He's awesome. Yes.
1: (laughs) My favorite line of his in this whole episode comes right here at the beginning. He says, Oh, you're inhaling dust along with wickedness. I looked it up because I thought it it must be a quote. Maybe it's Shakespeare or something. No, no, it's all Reg. It's it's original.
0: It's original Reg. So we're given Reg, who is a beautiful character, who is awesome. And then right after that, we're given Peter Fauston. Peter. Who is just like every time we see this actor... What's his name?
1: His name is Adrian Scarborough.
0: Adrian Scarborough, who is a great actor. Yes. He is very good he, and both midsummer season are really good. He's in 3. He's at what? He's, he's in, in the Photography one. Club one. Yeah, that's one. Picture
1: of Innocence. Yeah. And he's also in a Dying Art. What's the dark? Which is a 2016 episode. Oh,
0: okay. Every time we see him.
1: Bell Ringer. <laughs> bell Ringer is <laughs> the crazy Bell Ringer. He um he was in Gosford Park. He he has a long history of playing manservants and butlers. Oh,
0: I know he I know he was in Gosford Park. He was great he in was Gosford so Park. So good in Gosford Park.
1: But he also he basically plays the same role yeah. in a show called Blunt Talk with Patrick Stewart. Oh. Where Patrick Stewart plays this kind of washed up British broadcaster who comes to America to reinvent his career and brings his manservant with him. Adrian Scarborough yeah, plays his manservant. Yeah. 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 And there's one episode of Blunt Talk where Adrian Scarborough is in drag, and it is hilarious.
0: He is, like, again, I try to watch sometimes, like, videos of these people being interviewed. And again, just the warmest, nicest, friendliest person. But, like, I think they gave him direction that said, you... Need to play this part as if bells are the most important thing, not only to you, but to the universe at large.
1: Yeah. Like you can't overplay the importance of bell ringing.
0: Because he is just so over top. It's beautiful.
1: One of the notes I have for this episode is that there are a lot of very well-developed kind of nuanced characters that you like and dislike at the same time. Yeah. And it's difficult to say, oh, that person is a bad guy or that person is a good guy. Reggie is a perfect example. uh, Reggie's one of those. Yeah. Like, he genuinely loves his nephew. Yeah. He is genuinely kind to the people that he likes.
0: Oh, and he's
1: smart. And he's very smart. And yet, he's a curmudgeon and a bully, and, and Peter is another one. Like, but he
0: loves his cat. Yeah. And they both love their cats. Yeah. Because, you know, cats.
1: <laughs> Peter <laughs> is absolutely obsessed with winning a bell ringing competition. But the reason why he's so obsessed is that it's in his family. His family Hasn't, yes. is has always been bell ringers. Yes. And they haven't won for a long time. So he wants to do it for that. I mean, the, it, it's... They're,
0: they're really the same person, right? They're obsessed with tradition. Mm-hmm. And they're obsessed with winning and being right. Mm-hmm. And they put against each other, create an interesting story because you don't know who to root for there.
1: But Peter also comes across as almost being sociopathic. Yes. Because... Even when somebody's just been brutally murdered, the first thing he thinks of is, how is this going to affect
0: our bell ringing? Well, I think he is sociopathic, Mm -hmm. and that's that's okay. He's one of those sociopaths who doesn't kill people or hurt people, just gets obsessed with bells.
1: Right. And so can be insensitive. Yep.
0: Like the mushroom man.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So we've got Reggie, who's um, first, and then we've got Peter, the leader of the bell ringers. And then we've got Emma. Yes. And Liam.
0: Yes. Emma and Liam are engaged. Mm-hmm. And then we have Francis mm-hmm. and Marcus. And those Marcus. are the ringers. Well, no. You, you and lo- Greg. You left out Greg, who yeah. enters the story next.
1: Yeah. Because uh, he's in bed with Rosalind and Sue catches him. I'm not even going to make any notes about. Sue Tut, who's played by Claire Holman, because we've already talked about her once, and we love, she'll be in another episode. We love
0: Claire Holman; she's, she's fantastic. Great, she's great. She she does a nice, understated part here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she does a great job, and she
1: consistently plays good people. Mm-hmm. Right? She's just a good person. Yeah. She's eager to get rid of Greg because he deserves to be gotten rid of. She's kind to Reg because. Why not be kind to somebody? Well,
0: he's right? an RAF guy. Yeah, like...
1: and she's kind to Hugh, his nephew, again, yeah. because she has sympathy and empathy. and.
0: But Greg wronged her by sleeping with Rosalind and everybody else, or at least trying to.
1: And then has to show up at bell ringing practice with a pink bathrobe on because she's thrown all of his clothes Yes. Out.
0: So Rosalind Parr is a trope, right? Yes. Is, is the... And really, Father Brown is based on this trope almost. Yeah. Of the Lady of the Manor, the husband is never home. Uh, she has affection for the husband, but no real love, so gets her carnal pleasure from other places.
1: She's played by Carmen De Satoy.
0: Yes, who I really like Rosalind in this part. I like I like this character. And then I found out that she was a Bond girl. Yeah, she was in Man with the Golden Gun. Yep. She, uh, Roger Moore sucks a diamond out of her navel.
1: Yes. <laughs> and again, another character who's really <laughs> nuanced and well-developed. She, she is a nice person, though she is cheating on her husband left, right, and center, and yet she's not guilty about it. So you almost can't hold it against her.
0: And she has a sense of humor. She does not take herself too seriously. No,
1: she doesn't. She smiles a ton. Yeah, And she's not
0: bitter. I think if Troy does anything with her, he's going to have fun. Yeah. It's not going to be like, it's a stark difference between her, the lady in the manor, and the lady of the manor in the episode the Dark Harvest," mm-hmm. Dark uh Dark Autumn. Yeah. Where she the that lady of the manor who liked to have herself recorded having sex took herself way too seriously. Yeah. Rosalind doesn't take anything seriously.
1: No, but she's also, you know, women doing it for themselves. She's like, I'm not the one who gets left waiting.
0: Oh, absolutely. Sorry. She sticks up for herself completely. <laughs>
1: She's out to have a good time, and anybody who gets in the way of that, she doesn't have any time for. Like, yeah. sorry, no.
0: So she's chucking uh, Greg's stuff out the window, and then Reggie keeps walking down the street and is almost killed by Troy.
1: Yes. <laughs> because, you know, that has to happen once an episode. Then he almost runs over somebody.
0: He has his Legion coat on. Did you notice that? Yes. Yeah, so he has the coat for the local legion because he's obviously a member of the local legion. And then Barnaby says, follow your ears.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then we see uh, Hugh, Hugh Barton, who is Reggie's nephew.
0: Who is like this little known actor at this time. Who Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville of <laughs>
1: Downton, Abbey. Downton Abbey. So um, He's also Mr. Stink.
0: Yes. Which oh, is Oh, Mr. Awesome. Stink is fantastic. If you've if,
1: never seen it.
0: If your kids haven't watched Mr. Stink, watch it with them. Absolutely and, fantastic.
1: And he's, again, he's been in a gazillion things. I, we could spend an hour listing them all off. Yep. Um, but one thing I noticed on his list is something that we haven't seen yet, which is um, he, he does a cameo in uh, Jack Whitehall's new Christmas with my father.
0: Oh, there's a new Christmas with my father. Oh, my gosh. We have to watch that? If
1: you haven't watched Jack Whitehall's Travels with My Father, pause this and go watch. I hurt after watching them. I've laughed so hard.
0: I don't like, okay, so Jack Whitehall is an acquired taste. He is. I, I understand that some people might not like Jack Whitehall. I think he's fantastic, personally. But
1: he's balanced out by his dad. Because he's... He
0: shows- he's- He's Jack Whitehall I love because he's so effortless. Yeah. At no point do you think, oh, he's putting on a thing. No. And, no, but he is. Like, he's yeah. playing a character. And then his father is the most, it is old in New Britain. It is, his father wears, like, a suit to a spa. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, it's just... But then... Fantastically uncomfortable. They're somewhere
1: in Asia, and he gets that doll. (laughs) Oh, my God. If you you haven't seen them, I'm serious. We will wait. Pause us. Go watch any episode of Travels with My Father. They are so epically funny. Yeah. But... Hugh uh, Bonneville does some kind of cameo in the newest one that oh, was just, good. just released, so we, we should go watch we it. We should watch that. So Hugh Bonneville, every time I see this episode, all I can think about him is how bad his hair is. He looks like he's wearing a toupee made from an old rug. It's it's just horrible.
0: Meanwhile, Reggie's hair is just like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. And
1: I just kept thinking, like, why? Because, and, and I, I looked at a bunch of images of Hugh Bonneville from this time, and his hair is perfectly fine. Later on, he does thin recede a little bit on top, but yeah, you know, he's he's never like bald or anything. He's got no reason to be wearing a hairpiece. I'm like, "So why did they put him in one and why is it so bad?" Yeah. And I think I have the answer. Okay. So, Hugh Bonneville had just been in a movie, had uh, just finished filming a movie called Blow Dry. Okay. And in Blow Dry, he plays this crazy maniacal Hairdresser, okay. Who has bright fire engine red hair?
0: Have we seen this movie?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's so I, funny. I, I remember. His hair is like so red, and it's clearly his hair. It's not a wig. So they've bleached his hair and dyed his hair that color. And I think after that, either his hair was a bad color for a little bit, or he cut it all off oh, to he start over. Could have been either. And yeah. in either case, that's why they put him in a hairpiece. Because Hugh um, Barton would be a very different character if his hair was like pink. Yes. Because it was fading from being bright red.
0: But Hugh Barton, <laughs> the character, also is the kind of guy to have a hairpiece.
1: Yeah, he is. It's, it's, I think it the whole thing his, works. But it's, and, and maybe that's why they gave him such a bad one. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be bad. I don't know. But it, it is bad. It bothers me.
0: Speaking of bad, we're introduced to the killer next. Who is Joyce's best friend? Oh, Maisie Gooch. Oh, God, unfortunate name. <laughs> it suits her. I keep calling her the Gooch in my notes. <laughs>
1: she's the church archivist. And the killer. And the killer, who constantly looks like she's been rubbing her eyes. I don't know if the actress has allergies or what, but it suits the character really well that her eyes are always kind of pink around the edges makes her eyes look a little bit more insane she doesn't get really insane
0: to the last scene in the church she's kind of nice up to Uh,
1: oh yeah nice but
0: weird well and one point i'm like what yeah (laughs) and we'll talk Uh. about that (laughs) uh troy's in the church and he's reading a bunch of stuff on the on the notice board so of course i have to read it all
1: Oh, what'd you find? So
0: Midsummer Diocese Guild of the Bell Ringers, that's the annual striking competition. Uh, On the 9th of June in Mid-Mallow Village Hall at 745, there's a resolution meeting and cheese and wine.
1: Oh, resolutions and cheese and wine? Yes.
0: Nice. Uh, Also, I guess um, the church offers care and help for friends of the church. So you can volunteer in the church to help out other people in the community doing things, including, and this is all on these signs. Okay. Uh, Gardening, property maintenance, carpentry, clothes alteration repair, available 24 hours, a member of the UK Home Carers Association, fully licensed with the Ecclesiastical Insurance Company.
1: That's nice. Yes. If you're an old person and you need some help, and somebody from the church shows up to give you a hand, you want to know that they're not there to actually steal your silver.
0: Also, the 10 o'clock club meets on after Sunday school at St. Catherine's Church in Midsummer Mill. All are welcome.
1: I'm guessing they meet at 10 o'clock. Yes, that's good. That's good.
0: <laughs> this episode has some really great signage. Like they do a great job with the production of mm-hmm. this episode.
1: And, and so for example when they're up in the tower getting ready to practice bell ringing, they're surrounded by chalkboards that have bell ringing notation on them
0: oh well this is a rabbit hole that both you and i fell down of bell ringing notation (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i couldn't get very far though i got kind of stuck it was amazing to me how much bell ringing notation uh ends up looking like um knitting patterns after a while when i was because i knit a lot i
0: did notice that also yeah
1: um but it's wow it's complicated
0: so the first in the creepiness of this episode is Creepy Troy. <laughs> because he's checking out Emma.
1: Not even trying to hide it.
0: Nope. He's there's a like, midriff. He, I'm going to stare at he it.
1: He walks up to the door and he just stares. Emma Tiso is played by Lindsay Marshall.
0: Yeah. She's play- like probably 50 by now. She
1: played Cleopatra in Rome. Um, she's also in a new Agatha Christie movie that should be out now called Agatha and the Curse of Ishtar. Oh. She plays Agatha Christie in it. Oh, cool. I oh, thought she I did see that. fairly
0: well in this.
1: Oh, she, yeah. She's a good actress.
0: So Tom's mean Detroit. Tom's grumpy in this whole episode.
1: Yeah. There's a striking competition. You'll be in line yourself if you don't shut up. <laughs> And
0: later on, Joyce is like, you're so grumpy. He's like, I'm not so grumpy. Okay, if you're saying I'm not so grumpy, you're grumpy.
1: Maybe he's grumpy because there was a killer in his house.
0: Maybe. Troy tells Barnaby that Peter Fogden was up there and he calls him a jobsworth. Do you know what that is? No. A jobsworth is a person who uses their job description in a deliberately uncooperative way or seemingly delights in acting in an obstructive or unhelpful manner. The term can be applied to those who uphold petty rules, even at the expense of humanity or common sense, which makes sense. Like, he he's the person who would be like, you can't have another light bulb because you have had a light bulb already this year. Yeah,
1: because he's a, a maintenance guy yeah. at the police station, right? But we don't see him doing that. No, but, but then- he definitely likes the fact that he's associated with the police, he's- even though he is not...
0: He is police, involved in law
1: enforcement, whatsoever. but not police. Yeah,
0: he also runs bets out of his little office. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it, he he runs. He's a bookmaker among the police, but he also places his own bets because he and the other bell ringers win on ring a ding ding.
0: Yes, the race. aptly named horse.
1: Yes, of course they bet on that horse. That all so, rhymed. Yes. <laughs> Of course they bet on that
0: horse. So there's this bell ringing scene where we kind of figure out the pecking order in the bell ringers. But there is a ton of jargon in here. Yes. And it's like the writer was like, now, I think this writer, first of all, actually knows about bell ringing.
1: At least enough because they've studied it to do the episode. I did
0: check because at this moment... I fast forwarded to the end of the episode to see if there was a bell ringing consultant. Mm-hmm. The episode there was It not. wouldn't
1: surprise me if there was though. There was
0: not. I double checked. <laughs> but the jargon all seems pretty natural here. Yeah. Too.
1: They do a good job. It looks really hard. Yeah. Physically difficult. It's
0: physically difficult. Francis falls over at the end.
1: Well, and then we learned that the shortest songs they play are 15 minutes. Oh,
0: we'll get to the length of bells. <laughs> Like, it's, it's crazy how long they play those bells. I don't know why they play so long. Bell ringing is a, a calling. I'm not going to call it a hobby because the folks from Kingston on Thames might send us a nasty note. But the, the calling of bell ringing is complex and interesting.
1: What I found interesting um, in the cold opening and then when we meet the bell ringers is that they're not necessarily religious people.
0: No, some,
1: some of them don't even go to service and yet they ring the bells. Yes. So it's it, maybe it's more of a musician's calling than a religious calling. I would have thought, I would have assumed before that if you spent that much time ringing bells it's because you really love church.
0: Yeah, I can but see that. But that may not be the case. Yeah. I wonder if they're the heaviest musical instrument to play. Oh, they've got to be. They're almost What's heavier? half a ton.
1: What's heavier than a bell?
0: Yeah. Mm, that's interesting.
1: <laughs> there's another hole you can fall into. What's the heaviest instrument?
0: So I have a big problem here. Okay. The Gooch is only talking to the Barnabys at this point. In time. Right. And we're supposed to under- th- realize that the Gooch knows that Greg has been thrown out of his house and that he went to the manor to be with Rosalind. Because the Gooch hand delivers a note to them. hmm But, like, it doesn't show her following him or anything. How does, how does Maisie Gooch... Know that Greg is at Rosalind's.
1: I, I think we're supposed to assume that it's just a small village. And everybody knows that he got caught with Rosalind. So that would be where he would go when he got yeah. thrown out. Where else is he going to go? Yeah. He's not going to stay with Marcus. No. <laughs> no. Nobody's going to stay with Marcus.
0: With his velvet suit.
1: His velvet suit. And his shrine to
0: Emma. <laughs> so I thought the scene in Peter's office with ring ding ding was... Much later than this,
1: Mm-mm, it's early on, it's
0: really early on. It has the smallest cover, color television in 2001. Yes, they must have ordered that special to yes. get that color television. <laughs> and he has pictures of racing horses' posts on his walls. I mm. noticed that. And so they went to 30k in
1: between six people between at 100 s- to one,
0: at 100 to one in 2001. Mm-hmm. So that is roughly. 63000 U.S. dollars today.
1: Wow. That's a lot of money, even divided by six people. Yeah. Not enough to kill for, but it's a lot of money. They get a lot of
0: people in that maintenance office.
1: They do. And, you know, I, I, I've seen those rooms before. When my, my, when my dad worked at GM, the maintenance guys had a, a cubby that was the place to go hang out. Yeah. It was the place to be. They had a, a microwave and a coffee maker and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I wondered why Maisie would leave the note for Greg at
0: Rosalind's
1: and and why she's trying to break Emma and Liam up by framing Emma as trying to have some kind of tryst with Greg.
0: It's weird. But they're all smiles in the next practice because there's little piles of money yeah. in the window. <laughs> Everybody gets their money. Uh, so the signs behind them... In bell ring practice, include two for Peter's relatives, Mm -hmm. his uncles. The
1: plaques, yeah. Yeah.
0: And they read things like a quarter peel of Grandeshar Doubles was rung to mark the passing of Gordon Fogden ringer of this tower. And I had to really look at this. It says, by his own band. Because at first I was like, does that say by his own hand?
1: So they call a group of bell ringers a band? A
0: band. On October 16th, 1975. Okay. So that led me down the rabbit hole of well, what is appeal? Mm-hmm. So appeal of eight bells must last at least 5,000 different changes. A performance of 1,250 changes on eight bales makes a quarter peel. So, this is uh, a quarter peel. An appeal may take up to three hours to ring, and a quarter peel, 45 minutes.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: That's a long time to be monkeying from those ropes like that.
1: Three hours. Three hours. Five thousand. When they say change, that means each bell is rung. That's a note. So we're talking about 5,000 notes. I guess so. Wow.
0: Jeez. So the bell ringing notation hole that I fell down, I don't know if you saw this, was for this blue line method of notation. Mm -hmm. And the whole first part, part of the page is about how this person's notation is far superior than other notation, <laughs> and I I looked at that and said, "Bell ringer notation, uh, civil wars, or something I cannot get into."
1: <laughs> <laughs> like there was a big battle over how to notate bells. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and
1: and I did see a few different styles of notating it, and. Them, the blue line method, which is the one that makes those kind of squibbly lines, because it's usually over a chart of yeah. the eight bells. And it's a, a, a line for each player that connects the bells that they're supposed to ring and when they're supposed to ring it. Um, there's a piece of software that you can yes. use to create that notation. Yes. And man, did I try to get that software to run. I had to install a, a version of Flash that was like three <laughs> versions old. My computer is like, have we gone back in time? <laughs> what is this for? I even tried to install the mobile version. Oh. I couldn't. I couldn't get it to work because I thought, man, I could write my own bell ringing notation and it will play it.
0: Oh, so you can hear how we it sounds. Re- we could have written Midsummer. I know. Ooh.
1: I spent over an hour trying to get oh, that software no. to run before my computer went. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> stop! Stop! Okay. So
0: Reggie's pissed again. He's never not pissed. And so I was like, oh, there's a little toy playing here and a nice kitty who sits in a box.
1: Spitfire.
0: Well, I didn't know his name was Spitfire at this point because he, it's not clear. So uh, Reggie goes, Blasphemous Welk Spitfire. And I went for a deep dive trying to find <laughs> blasphemous Welk Spitfire. Like I thought it was a type it's a of plane. a different kind of plane. Or something. And I was like, later on in the episode, I'm like, oh, the cat's name is Spitfire. I'm there's an idiot. There's the
1: Spitfire. Then there's the small version of the Spitfire, which is called the Welk Spitfire. Yes. And if the people flying it curse a lot, <laughs> then we call it the blasphemous <laughs> Welk Spitfire or BWS yes, for short. the
0: BWS.
1: <laughs> Reggie does not like that they ring the bells. No. Right? And we get a little impression of why he doesn't. He's constantly wanting to stop them, even going so far as threatening to change his will to stop them. And in the episode, we get the impression that the reason that he he doesn't like them ringing them is that he sees the bells as being sacred. And so they should only be rung for that purpose. Yeah. Right? And the fact that they're doing it for a competition, the fact that they ring to celebrate their gambling win, he finds extremely offensive. And his whole life is centered around stopping these people. And I was like, you know, I don't know if those are enough motivation for him to be that obsessed.
0: It's all very religious-based for him.
1: Yeah. But he doesn't seem that pious. Yeah. So I've found that kind of, it was like, there's something missing there. And so I thought about that for a while, and we know that he was an RAF pilot in the war. And so I I went and started to look up the um, connections between Church Bells and World War II, and I think I found his real motivation. Oh, really? Yeah. So— and. (laughs) it took me a little bit to find this. I even had to read some some scanned, handwritten village church notes from the 1940s. We
0: do deep dive research.
1: (laughs) So what I found is that on June 13th in 1940, Churchill put out an edict banning the rings of church or chapel bells except to alert for an air raid, right? Okay. So... So that's the Germans just, are
0: coming, ring the bells.
1: Right. So that's just three days after Italy joined the war and a month before the first time Great Britain was bombed now by wait, the Germans. Wait a minute.
0: I, I'm a simple man. But do I want to be up a church tower when they're bombing stuff? Well, I'll get to that. Okay. Right? So on June
1: 4th was Operation Dynamo. which is where the Allies rescued like over 350,000 soldiers from Dunkirk. That's Dunkirk, yeah. Right? So 10 days after that, Churchill says, don't ring any bells. The Germans
0: are coming. Yeah. We know they're coming. This is invasion Britain at this point.
1: This is the same um, orders that go out that say, you know, we need blackout curtains on everything. You cannot have open fires. All the stuff that would have given away targets, they go full out.
0: And there's a great foils war episode that takes place in this time where invasion by Germany is in a, they're waiting for it at that point. Well, and then
1: you've got dad's army and all kinds of stuff, right. About all the home fires. Yeah. But so Churchill says no bell ringing in 1940, three years later, an MP goes to the house and the house of commons and says, I think we should lift this ban. And, um, and so on Easter Sunday, which is April twenty fifth of nineteen forty three, they say bell ringing is allowed again. Okay. And so I read this MP's speech. Yeah. Of his argument for allowing bell ringing, okay. still have blackout curtains, everything else, but bell ringing should come off the list. Okay. And the reasons that he gave, so he gives three reasons. Okay. He gives. He says one. It's not a good way to alert people to an air raid because nobody wants to run to the top of a bell tower when there are bombers coming. Exactly. Right? (laughs) So most villages weren't using the church bells anyway to do it. Two, people were were, um, so used to hearing the bells, even though they weren't rung at this time, that... When, in villages where they did ring the bells to alert, people didn't really hear it.
0: They didn't. They ignored it. Because it was just a regular yeah.
1: sound, right? Yeah. It wasn't an out of, out of the ordinary sound. But the third reason was my favorite. The third reason was that the bells weren't being used for air raid sirens because in most villages, the bell ringers had tied the clappers back to the side of the bells. Okay. And secured them so they wouldn't ring so they could continue to practice.
0: These people are obsessed. <laughs>
1: So if you were going to ring the bells for air raids, you had to go up to the top of the tower when there are planes coming and you had to untie the clappers so that you could actually ring the bells and make a sound. And that took too long.
0: Oh, that makes sense. So,
1: that, so this MP is like, what's the point? Why don't we just let people ring the bells whenever they want?
0: So how does this relate to Reggie's motive?
1: So Reggie is in the RAF. Yep um based on his age he he would have joined in about 1940 right so he probably would have responded to the call that churchill put out that basically said you know we're going to we're going to have to fight everywhere yeah. we have to protect our own country but we have to rescue these other people as well and so at so for those years bell ringing became a sign of invasion
0: uh, right if okay. you if
1: you did hear bells it meant the germans were coming yeah so he may I can imagine that his character may have lived in Great Britain at the beginning of the war and associated bells with invasion.
0: Well he has such a visceral visceral reaction to them right away. Yeah. that it absolutely could be something. The writers
1: like probably didn't think that deep. I probably nope. took it way further than I than they did, but I, I like that depth. I, I like imagining that he has those reasons as well, that yeah. it's disrespectful. And maybe a little PTSD Yeah, to hear the bells when they shouldn't be ringing.
0: I, I, I think that all that could uh, fit.
1: Which then made me wonder, well, how do people practice ringing bells? If the songs are at least 15 minutes long, at the shortest... At the least. They've got to practice, which means they've got to play parts of it over and over and over and over again. If they're using real church bells to do it, the people in those villages would hate them. Yes. You would get so tired of hearing it.
0: Even in this episode alone, they use the same sample. Yeah. Yeah. Like the They're same playing
1: the same musical, set of yeah, yeah the same set of changes over and over and over again. And so then I found out that there are these mini rigs that's like a it's it's like a tower. It almost looks like it's built out of scaffolding. Okay. Um, that have simulated bells in them. Oh, so ringers will they put these things together, and then they can put them anywhere they want, and they can practice.
0: Oh, like you can practice in your backyard.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. like if you're a drummer and you play on a practice pad instead yeah. of real drums. Oh, that's cool. It's like that. That's so cool. So I bet you bell ringers are much less hated now. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Especially <laughs> the, the ones practice, in Kingston,
0: on Thames.
1: <laughs> when they practice, you just suck it up to them now. Yes. Listen, tell all your friends. Um. Uh, they can practice now without annoying an entire village. Because you know? <laughs> otherwise, how do you learn to play?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway. So back in the manor house, Greg gets a note and he completely hides it from Rosalind. I love how in this scene, you see how stupid Greg is. Yeah. And how smart Rosalind is without them either saying it.
1: Yeah. Because God, he, he's so dumb. He leaves it in the bathrobe.
0: And she's like, hmm. Okay,
1: whatever, Greg. <laughs> yeah, as, as soon as he leaves, she's going fishing through the pocket.
0: Like, she does a great job, and she burns the note after she's read it, and she, like, knows exactly what's going on.
1: Yeah. Because
0: Greg it, is like, can I use your card? She's like, no. No.
1: <laughs> you overstep, sir.
0: Yeah. Peter's at the cop shop, and he talks uh, to Barnaby about the bell-ringing time. So, of course, I went in search of the bell-ringing times. Is and this I a could,
1: newspaper or newsletter? I...
0: Could not find any bell ringing. Time. You mean
1: they invented something for a midsummer? They
0: did indeed. <laughs> Crazy thinking. But I did find the Central Council of Church Bell Ringers, or the CCCBR, which have a fantastic little website. I bet you they just call it the Triple CBR. The Triple CBR, and uh, you you can uh, there's latest news about volunteering and all sorts of things. It's a very uh, Nice little website, but their mission is to be the strategic leader and public voice of the ringing community and the arbiter of standards, which says to me there's all sorts of fights about standards, and to promote an environment where ringing can flourish.
1: They made that rule about how many changes
0: are required. Oh, they did. (laughs) And they
1: enforce it.
0: So Troy totally throws Barnaby in it here. It, this episode is Troy and Barnaby just goading each other on. Yeah,
1: because Tom runs into Peter, and Peter's like, oh, Troy told me that you just like to hear bells, and you should come to the competition. I already
0: confirmed it with Joyce. And
1: Tom's <laughs> like, "I what?
0: <laughs> and it ends with, the scene ends with him going, Troy! Yeah. I'm not grumpy.
1: <laughs> so then we, we can jump to the bell ringers practicing again. No,
0: we have to cover the scene with Maisie where she says the thing, That made me scream.
1: Okay. We haven't even got to the first murder yet.
0: I know. Okay. So Maisie goes, why can't they just live and let live? Okay, you're killing them or about to kill them. She can't do that,
1: but other people should.
0: Reggie stops the bell ringers or tries to and Liam shifts them.
1: Gosh, he just manhandles an old man. Yep. With a cane and everything. Yep. Then, oh. So Greg is up in the bells, right? And he's dead. Yes. And they start ringing. That's the the
0: blood squirting (laughs) out of Greg.
1: The blood starts coming through the rope hole onto Emma.
0: Which I think is a really clever thing. It is. It wouldn't work like that. It's dramatic.
1: But But what does she do? Looks up with her mouth open.
0: I just am like. I
1: just want to scream, shut your mouth. Don't eat the blood. (laughs) Step away and shut your mouth. (laughs) <laughs> and of course Peter immediately resents Greg for dying How could he do Typical this to us? Greg
0: <laughs> And when Barnaby's leaving the church So Barnaby is at the church And so he goes to investigate the body first And he like sees that he's been shot And stuff like that And then the next shot of Barnaby Is him walking out of the church Rubbing his hands yeah. on his clothes <laughs> I'm like Did you get blood on your tongue?
1: Remember, you inhale dust with your wickedness. It's yes. probably dusty up there, so he's rubbing the dust off. So I'm not. I'm not as perplexed by Maisie leaving a note for Greg at Rosalind's. I'm more perplexed by Maisie thinking that it would be believable that Emma would leave a note for Greg. Well, at Well, especially the
0: the note that Emma like the actress who plays Emma does a great job of being plain.
1: Yes, N- and naive. Yes, innocent. Right.
0: And the letter is like, dearest Greg.
1: Yeah. But like, if you wanted to have a fling with a guy before you got married, would you really go and leave an invitation to him at the house of the woman he's currently sleeping with?
0: Yeah, like, there there are all sorts of problems with that. And then why, like, it's just convenient that Greg told Marcus, because if Greg hadn't told Marcus, no one would have known about the note.
1: Yeah. And how Marcus and and Greg just happened to run into each other in Coston. Yeah. And Greg just happened to tell him. I don't know why he would. Yeah. Because anybody who looks at Marcus once knows he's in love with Emma. Yeah. So if Greg told him it was only to flaunt it and rub it in his
0: face. And Liam goes nuts. Yeah. He goes a little too nuts. Yeah. I don't like how he's he with it. He physically them. threatens Emma. Yeah. I don't like in that. In church. Yeah. And But Troy saves the day. He's a violent. Troy is super. Yeah. And... Nowhere is Liam anywhere violent like that again. I think it's inconsistent with his character. Troy is off to see Rosalind. (laughs) I'm between lovers at the moment.
1: Uh, The last one died this morning. I don't
0: think of such... uh, I don't deal with money, especially in such such small small quantities. quantities. Yeah. (laughs) She totally lies about the notes. Uh, We were just carnal. Yeah. And she, did,
1: she totally... Though she did shred his clothes. Why did she bother to do that if she doesn't care?
0: Uh, you know, because she's saying she doesn't care. Mm. And uh, Troy is like completely freaked out by this whole entire thing. Wouldn't you be?
1: Yeah. Plus he's in her bedroom at that moment. I think he knows he's in the lair. <laughs> <laughs> and he better get out.
0: And Barnaby goes to go see Sue and Angie who is the weird character in this episode, fills him in with all the information while creepy Peter stands outside. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Looking in the window
1: with his wide eye. Well, not only does Peter look inside, but Hugh's always lurking across the alley in the shrubs.
0: Dried up poison tongue harpy. (laughs) Peter doesn't care about Emma's round bits.
1: Well, and, and he says, oh, Angie probably said something bad about me because I turned her down for the bell ringing team. Because, you know, that's all that's important to anybody, yeah. right? So her whole life is now besmirched Greg by the had, fact that he wouldn't let her be on the bell ringing team. Greg had good hands and stamina. <laughs> I, love, I love when after Emma dies and they're in the tea shop and Peter's like, well, hey, Angie, good luck for you. Now you can be on the team. And she's like, oh, go to hell. <laughs> she's I'm surprised not- she just, just doesn't say, F- off. <laughs> he expects her to be like, "Ooh, can I please?" Yeah, sp- smash a well, plate that's what, in his face. That's what I
0: mean. Like they told Peter that not only is bell ringing the most important thing, it's in important his world, to everybody. It's important to the entire Assume world. Assume
1: that everybody is as obsessed with it as you are.
0: I'll tell you somebody who's obsessed: the lady with the baby carriage watching Liam and uh, Emma in Emma the park. They're on the, the bench
1: making up. She
0: almost crashes the baby carriage. <laughs> What is she doing? She's the worst background actor ever. No, she looks right at the actors and continues looking as she goes by.
1: And I blame the cameraman for that one because whoever was running the camera followed her. Yes. So she gets our attention. She's in scene all by herself first, pushing her baby. And then as she moves behind them, our focus is supposed to switch to them, but it stays with her because she's so weird. Keeps going.
0: So we have had creepy Troy, creepy Peter, and now we have creepy Marcus.
1: Yes. Well, Marcus is kind of creepy all the time. Yeah, he is. He's got a box of Emma trinkets, including the handkerchief she used to wipe the blood off her face. The bl- Yeah. Never mind the
0: shrine on his walls. Yeah. So Joyce and Maisie are at Joyce's house, and she offers to help the Barnaby share some insights. I have an insight she could share with him. I'm, I'm the, the killer. killer.
1: <laughs> Is this the only time a killer is in Barnaby's house?
0: Yes, and I also believe this is the first time that a killer uses a pistol.
1: Mm, maybe. There's shotguns.
0: But no pistols. Pistols are so rare.
1: Yeah, in England? Yeah. Yeah. Because this is an Enfield pistol. It's a yeah. World War II pistol.
0: Hugh and Reggie talk about a red heron.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave my money to the church restoration. Francis Le <laughs>
0: Bon, great aunt of Simon Le Bon. <laughs> The lead singer
1: Duran Duran. If you don't yep. get that reference, <laughs>
0: okay. I know we're way off topic and <laughs> we're really long here, but what day is the wedding? <laughs> and and how is the wedding supposed to happen before the bell ringing competition? I
1: think they get married on Friday.
0: I th- that, that is the best explanation. In,
1: in many many places in the world, Friday is the day you get married. I guess you get married in the morning, followed by a, a wedding breakfast. And then people have the rest of the day free. I guess. It's not an all-day thing. And you have to get a great big hat. Yes. It's a hat competition, not a wedding.
0: A hat competition, and it has to be on Friday.
1: This is not a thing in the U.S. No. This is a British thing, these yes. giant hats at weddings. Yes. It kind of makes me jealous. Like, I want to go to a wedding and wear an obnoxious hat. Because it's the one time you can get away with it. Yes. <laughs> When I, the first time I saw this episode and Emma got killed right after they walked out of the church, I was shocked. Yeah. I thought, that is profound. Well. To have somebody killed minutes after they were married.
0: Luckily, they have sausage rolls.
1: (laughs) We can't postpone, we can't cancel the wedding. My mom's already made all the food. She's done all the cooking. (laughs) (laughs) And. In the the trash that Troy fetches from Rosalind's house, they find a 100-pound check
0: that's been torn up. Oh, I know what that check's for.
1: Well, Rosalind, it's a check that she gave to Hugh.
0: Well, no, no. He's paying her back. He's paying her back. I know what he used for that.
1: Yeah, why does she loan him 100 pounds? To
0: buy red herrings.
1: Oh, or maybe the bad hairpiece. Yes. But she tears it up because she knows it's going to bounce anyway. But she has
0: another great line here where she thinks... Young Emma may have shot Greg. And she goes, it's a blow for decent womanhood. Not that I'm a member of that club.
1: (laughs) Again, doesn't take herself seriously, which I think is great.
0: Yeah. And doesn't come on to Barnaby. No. Like, I I love how... She knows he
1: he is out of her league and she likes younger men. Yep. So why would she?
0: We go and meet Maisie's nephew, Dennis, and her niece-in-law, Jen, and we find out that Francis LeBon is a shooty shooter person.
1: I, I think that Dennis Eberle and his unborn child are the real victims in this.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because, man, Maisie screws them up. Absolutely. <laughs> Even though they don't get killed. Her house is an absolute tip because she's the church archivist. Yes. Like, that's her excuse? That the archive is all over her house, basically? Yes. <laughs> she says, oh, well, I saw Francis with her gun. Yeah. So she did it, not me. It wasn't me. And Frances uh-huh. is like pew pewie.
0: right? Yeah. So in her
1: basement at her home shooting range.
0: She's hungry like the wolf, too.
1: <laughs> how many, how many more Duran Duran references do you have in
0: your notes? And no more.
1: No, no more. I'm I'm disappointed.
0: <laughs> so first of all, before the wedding even starts and she gets shot, I'm like, Reggie plays the organ? <laughs> And who's that with her? Oh, my gosh. Rosalind's (laughs) in church and she's not on fire. (laughs) Rosalind turning the pages in church, like smoking a cigarette and coming on to (laughs) something.
1: The cherub's got a nice butt. (laughs) (laughs) When, so after Emily, uh, after Emma, sorry, is shot. Well, okay, first of all, Maisie breaks a window in the church. Yeah. To shoot Emma. Yeah. That's pretty...
0: It's premeditated. That's for
1: sure. As a church archivist and somebody who's dedicated to the church, where her great 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 uncle was a vicar,
0: could have been hundreds of years old. She just
1: breaks a window. Just breaks it. But so Emma gets shot, and Tom comes running into the church and bowls into Reg, and doesn't think that Reg is the one who shot her.
0: No, well it couldn't be Reg. He's creepy. He hates bell ringers. (laughs) he he's well i love how reg is never suspected even though they find marcus with a cane they're like no it couldn't be Reg.
1: (laughs) but like if Maisie's trying to frame somebody speaking of the cane yeah she's clearly willing to frame anybody she was in the church while reg and rosalind were putting the music away she shoots out the window yep hustles out it could have easily been Reg who did the shooting. Yeah. But it would have meant that Rosalind was his accomplice. Yes. Now, those two, as a murdering duo, would That's, be really interesting. Well, That's a show I would watch. Luckily, Reg and Rosalind on the run. <laughs> luckily, Maisie
0: explains her entire motive to Barnaby next.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, they
0: killed the vicar. Uh mmm, cake. Lots of cake shots come up.
1: It made me wonder who was ringing the bells at the wedding... Since two of the ringers are getting married and one is dead.
0: Well, later on, Francis says, yeah, we tried doubles and it didn't Marcus work. Marcus
1: and Francis and Peter rang the bells. Yeah. And it must have exhausted
0: them. Yeah. Because Francis throws up right away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you would when you get to, you know, the bride gets shot in the chest while getting her photos taken. That's why you don't do that photo thing.
0: So Peter then has a great scene where he consoles Liam. And he... he The actor is fantastic here because there's a turn where he turns from, I'm actually consoling you to, I'm trying to convince you to ring the bell.
1: It's very, very sad. But Emma would have wanted you to proceed.
0: Yes. (laughs) Francis says, don't have a panic attack with your asthma. Foreshadowing. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So we find out that the well in the church grounds has been disused since 1860 When the bell ringers killed the vicar. Yes. Over beer. Well, so not only beer, but they were rowdy and they didn't attend church.
0: And beer. This whole thing is over beer.
1: They had beer up in the bell ringing chamber. Yes. So they were drinking and ringing the bells and the vicar wanted them to stop. So they killed him and dumped him in the well.
0: That's a bit extreme.
1: I think so too. And Even in 1860 old timey time. And I think a bit ineffective because there's just going to be another vicar. Plus... It's not a very good view of bell ringers. No. They, one of them sleeps around. One of them is kind of violent towards his fiance. One of them is mentally broken, asthmatic and panicky. One of them loses guns and doesn't report them. And even in old timey, they were rowdy drunks. Yeah. I think bell ringers are a little classier than that. And I'm not just sucking up to those people in Kingston. I agree. Marcus is sad in his blue velvet suit Oh. because he was an orphan.
0: So the f- killer cam following Marcus here is laughable.
1: <sighs> We're supposed to expect that Maisie is creeping along behind him on this path like a cartoon character. And then
0: dodges into the trees with her camouflage sweater.
1: I I think she's got the full-on face paint and everything going. And probably got some twigs in her hair. This
0: is one of my (laughs) least favorite deaths. I want
1: to see a picture of Maisie in that shot.
0: She uses a cane to push him in. He dies instantly, even though he got to his inhaler. uh, inhaler. And then the note comes out of his pocket and
1: floats down floats down the
0: river. The notes, uh, I hate that it's the same poem, and I hate the notes.
1: So are we supposed to believe that Maisie stole one of Reg's canes to shove him? I guess. That's, how could she know that that's where he was going to fall down? I, I don't think she could know that. I think maybe she intended to beat him to death with it. Maybe. Like, assuming if she scared him, he'd have an asthma attack. And then she could pummel him with the cane until he was dead, which would be a much different death than going face down in the water. And, but I do believe that somebody having an asthma attack, even if they just take a hit off their inhaler, they, they could pass out. They could and pass out. And if you pass out. out face down in water, you're dead. I guess. That's it.
0: You know who else is dead? Reggie. And wow. Like, I'm like, is, is, is he actually dead there?
1: Well, and what's sad is Graham Crowden dies like a year after making this yeah. episode. So that's kind of creepy. It is. But man, does he look dead.
0: He looks really dead. Like no makeup dead.
1: He's super pale yeah. and his eyes aren't completely
0: shut. No. And Hugh does his best to look completely suspicious. Well, I was over here fluffing up my fluffing up my uncle's pillows and I found him dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Hugh genuinely loves Reggie.
0: Well, I think at this point that comes through. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But this just remember, this is still happening. On the day of the wedding.
0: Days really get screwed up here. There's a lot happens during these days.
1: Reg dies, Marcus dies, Emma dies, same day. So they have the wedding in the morning and in the afternoon, while he's still in his wedding suit, Liam's coming to the tea shop saying, I guess I'll ring. Hours Uh, after his wife was shot. Yeah. I'm sorry. He would be inconsolable for days.
0: Well, and after uh, Marcus has been killed. Like two people die on this day. Yeah. They should all just be in shock. And they, which kind of explains a little more when uh, Barnaby goes to talk to Francis. I think we have the best scene of the episode. Oh, she's so upset. Where Francis explains that she's the reason this is all happening. Because she lost a pair of guns.
1: She's got that bottle of and pills and guilty. she can't open them because she's shaking it so bad. It is
0: just fantastic acting. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job. And what I love about an episode where there's great acting is everything stops for that moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't mind. Yeah. You're like, wow. Francis really-
1: Lebon is played by Gwen Taylor. Yeah. Um, she was in 47 episodes of Coronation Street. Wow. So that's probably where most people know her from. But she also played Mrs. Big Nose in
0: Life of Brian. Coronation Street's like a daily, isn't it? Yeah, so 47's not a lot. It's a lot of episodes. I guess. It's not a tiny character. No. She was a big character. Yeah.
1: But yeah, she plays Mrs. Big Nose in Life of Brian, the Monty Python movie. Yes. Yes, she does. She was in tons of things. She's just a great actress. Yeah. She does such a
0: good job here.
1: So I have this note. And I just answered it for myself. I'm such a dummy. So, so the bells that ring while Marcus is being killed. So Marcus and Francis are on the road. They hear the bells ringing. They go to check it out. Yeah. Francis climbs the gate. Marcus can't because he's a weenie. So he's going to go home. And then, of course, Maisie kills him on his way home. I'm like, who's ringing the bells, right? We know that it's a recording. Yeah. And then I have a note. Wouldn't Reg be running to the church to stop them from ringing the bells? Reg is
0: dead. He, he, he's dead. So That's all why on the same day, Reg, uh, Emma, Marcus and Marcus all die on the same day. Yeah, this is this is a bad day for the village.
1: Yeah, but man, Reg is a good corpse.
0: So they do some great editing here, where Rosalind is reading Emma's note. Emma's note.
1: She's reciting it. Reciting she's memorized it, verbatim, it. But we don't know that's what she's doing. But we think that she's
0: saying it to Troy. Yeah, and I know there's an age difference between us. They do such a great job with that, and they have a kind of fun play with it.
1: Yeah, this whole like intimidation of Troy by Rosalind theme is very funny. And she loves it. Yeah.
0: And he's gonna get some, except for Hugh, <laughs> who's breaking in. To the tea shop to steal a red herring. Mm-hmm.
1: He's such a bad burglar. Breaks into the cozy kitchen because he's looking for the letter. He's looking that for Sue the letter. Sue was supposed to and deliver to the bishop. Sue for Reg.
0: explains what happened and that Reg uh, knew all along. And what I like is there's never a moment with Reg that you're like told that. No. Like, I like that they don't uh, do a nod and a wink to that.
1: Yeah. That Reg was far smarter than Hugh gave him credit for. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And
1: really did care about his nephew.
0: Bell ringing competition. Saturday. There are a lot of people in sashes.
1: Yeah, they got their team sashes. So the village hall there in Midsummer Willow um, has a big sign on it that says it was built in 1911. And I thought, I wonder if there's anything significant about 1911. It turns out there is. That was the year that George V was coronated. And a lot of village halls were built in that year in honor of the coronation.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. Makes sense. So while the bell ringing competition is on and they're eating cakes, Cakes.
1: Troy breaks into Peter's house
0: and steps in the cat food (laughs) and then finds the revolvers under a cat. Now this is Clapper. Our second named cat of the episode. So
1: Peter stole the guns, stashes them in the drawer that his cat sleeps in.
0: After his wife left him. The wife.
1: His kitchen is so neat and tidy, but his desk is so messy.
0: Everything's neat and tidy in the kitchen. And here's
1: where I have a note that says this episode should be called the word processor killer.
0: It should be because Joyce goes to find Maisie and talks to Mr. Gooch. And he goes, actually, my name is Dennis Abril, and I can't type for crap.
1: It took me a half an hour to type that sentence.
0: Who takes a half an hour to type like that? (sighs) If you were typing
1: with a pencil in your mouth, you could type faster than that. He's clearly not very clever. But Uh, the word processor, MS Word, is the smoking gun. Yes. In this episode.
0: Well, luckily, uh, the gooch leaves the names of the people she killed along with the message.
1: Well, you have to remember
0: which note's for who. And then the note at the end... That's up in the church is way bigger than any printer in that house could print. (laughs) Maybe she
1: taped them together. The desktop
0: publisher and technical writer in me is like, that's just not possible. She saved
1: it as a PDF. She opened it in Acrobat and she printed it in poster mode. So then she could tape the pages together. It's all
0: one piece of paper. That's
1: how you do it. (laughs) It's easy. Maisie thinks her family is cursed. Yes. So her great, great, great grandfather, uncle, whoever he was, was murdered by the ringers. And because of that, all the Gooches or the Eberls have been cursed
0: since. Now hold on. Marcus, no, Liam, Francis, and Peter go up to ring in celebration. Yes. Okay, how did Maisie knew they were going to do that?
1: They ring in celebration of what?
0: Winning the competition.
1: Oh, that's right. So they ring for the competition and then they go back up after they win.
0: Yes. And in the meantime, she's cut she off all the bells.
1: Um Hears the bell. Oh, she's, yeah, that's right. She's tied them all off so they can't ring. Yeah.
0: So they all go up. In, I think she just follows them. They go all up in the ringing chamber. Okay. And then she, they send Liam up to look at the bells. Right. Cause they won't move. Now the door to the ringing chamber is open. I watch this very closely. And somehow the gooch teleports up. <laughs> To where the bells are and shoots Liam.
1: Did you rewatch that scene when they're in the bell ringing chamber to make sure she doesn't sneak past the door? Yes. I did too. Because <laughs> I would have been really impressed if they actually had her sneaking past and we didn't notice. Just I like looked. they didn't notice. No,
0: she got in her little Gooch teleporter.
1: Here's another question though, and we may have to go back and watch it again. Is she in the scene where they're announced as the winners? No. She's not? I checked. Because it would have been really easy for her to be there and then follow them up. Yep. Right? So she's already tied the bells off. So she must have predicted that they were going to go up and ring again.
0: So then she goes down, okay, Mm -hmm. to the bell ringing room and has the gun on Peter and Francis. And somehow Barnaby finds the teleporter and goes up past them into the bell ring, where the bells are. Yeah. Yeah. Because the gooch would have noticed Barnaby going up the stairs if not for the. <laughs> <laughs> He's got stealth. <laughs> it's not an area you could sneak through. The door is wide open. I double checked.
1: I am almost. I'm also impressed with the fact that Maisie could tie those bells up. Well, because that is little a feeble, big she's job. She's got
0: uh, like really good arms from doing the rubbings. <laughs> she's a buff archivist. She's buff archivist. The debt
1: has been paid to ensure the family is uncursed, right? That the curse is lifted. So she's done all of this because her niece-in-law is pregnant. Yes. That's the exacerbating event. Yes. That there's another generation on the way and she has to do something to ensure that this baby isn't cursed. Would
0: she not have cracked earlier? Like throw in a dead husband or something.
1: How is she cursed?
0: I don't know. She seems
1: to have a nice little life.
0: She's She's got a little
1: cottage. She lives in a nice little village.
0: Yeah. She has a good life and Joyce is a friend. Maybe they should go for coffee.
1: (laughs) There's a killer in my kitchen.
0: Meanwhile, Troy gets hit in the face by one of those ropes. That would hurt. It would. It would hurt. I think they do a good job on the makeup.
1: Man, if Maisie loves her nephew, she, she sure does screw him up. Yeah. He and his wife are standing there and they now realize she killed all these people for our sakes. Yeah. Now, that doesn't make them responsible, but it sure does put a shadow over them.
0: Yes. You know? And Rosalind tends to Troy, and Barnaby takes a phone call. End and, of episode.
1: And a teacup.
0: Yeah, he steals the teacup.
1: They hand him a cup and saucer, and he just goes walking down the alley with the cup and saucer. Do, 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 do. What I really like when Sue says that she's going to employ Hugh as a pastry chef. Yeah. And when the. Uh, the camera pans to Hugh. There's a cuckoo in the background. Cuckoo. 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 <laughs> it's like a little comment on yep. him. So after the credits. Hugh's a pastry chef. Uh,
0: yeah. Hugh and his girlfriend have lots of money. They mm-hmm. got all of uh, Reggie's money. Mm-hmm. Plus, if they can find it, they got the 5000 from Greg because she's still married to Greg. That's right. Legally. Yeah. Well, Greg's dead, but.
1: And he gets to be a pastry chef now. So he's okay. Sue and Angie are okay.
0: Maisie goes to jail. Yes. Peter, I think, loses his job. I would think that he would get fired for stealing the guns. Those pistols.
1: Yeah, and not reporting them. Francis, sad.
0: Liam, sad. sad.
1: Maisie Prison, sad. Uh, uh, Poor nephew, sad. Rosalind, no change. Troy gets some action, I think. At least he gets some pampering. Yeah. And poor Joyce says, well, there goes another hobby.
0: Yeah, and that's
1: it. (laughs) I guess I can't be a brass rubber now. Killers. Damn it. They ruin everything.
0: They ruin everything.
1: Okay, so now corpses. Greg, Emma, Marcus, Reggie. I think we both agree. Reggie, Reggie. Hands down.
0: Hands down.
1: Best corpse.
0: Absolutely great actor, great dead body. He's epic. He's practicing. He. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> I got you with that one. <laughs> I wonder what he died of.
0: Like did he know he was sick or something here? Probably not. I hope not. I hope not. because then yeah, that would be kind of weird. He's so fantastic. I love everything that he's in. I, like when I see him in something, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be good because he's gonna eat up all the scenery.
1: <laughs> oh, one thing I forgot to mention, um, Maisie Gooch, she's played by Gemma Jones. Uh, among lots of things. She was in Bridget Jones's Diary. Yeah. Uh, those movies she plays her mom. Um, but she's also in Rocket Man. She plays Elton John's mom. Oh. She's in Gentleman Jack, which is a really good show. But she was also in The Devils.
0: Oh, my gosh. She was in The Devils, too? Yeah. I wonder if we see Gooch, Gooch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you said practicing was a bad <laughs> joke? Oh, good God. I think we need to wrap this up before I we go too so. far. Wow. <laughs> So, if you, dis- if you disagree with who the best corpse was, or uh, if you have some information about bell ringing or change ringers, yep.
0: let us know. We're always happy to learn. Absolutely. Fantastic episode. We love this episode. Next episode uh, is 23 of the podcast, which is episode five of season five, which is Murder on St. Mally's Day, which on rewatching, I enjoyed so much more than I ever had. The
1: old boys and the yep. pudding club.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: We hope you have a great New Year's. A spoon
0: as a murder instrument
1: is fantastic. Have a maniacal New Year's, Maniacs. Absolutely.
0: You guys have made our New Year already fantastic. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Bye, Bye, Maniacs.
0: Bye, Maniacs. There's like this scene that is good because it, it shows what?
1: Of course, of course, they bet on the horse. That, that sounds like the theme song for Mr. Ed. Yes. Who's a horse. Yes. I didn't mean to do that. I it's that. okay. Yeah, of course it's okay. It was funny. <laughs> and Unintentionally. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. <sighs>